there was this uh, there was this farmer. He's in his field, and he's he's feeling the desire to share God's word. And um, as he's in the field, he looks up in the clouds, and he sees the clouds, and they form the letters P C. Preach Christ is what he thinks. So he sells his entire farm. He leaves his occupation. He goes into the pastorship to preach Christ. Now, unfortunately, he was not a very good preacher. Um, and after about three years of really struggling through all of his messages and lessons, one of his members came up to him after the service and said, Hey, did you ever think that PC meant plant corn? Um, if, uh, I'm not sure how this is all going to go today, but if uh, this is something that doesn't hit you, just tap me on the shoulder afterward and say, hey, buddy, uh, plant corn, okay? Uh, this morning, I want to share with you, um, I want to go through one verse, just one verse, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 is where I want to go, and I want to share with you how to find God's will. Now, um, I want to talk to you about this through two different set of spectacles. The first is what God's Word says. And secondly, through my experience of finding God's will. Because that's been my desire my entire life, is to find God's will. Right side up, I think, Steve. Woo, we did it. Here's the verse. And it's a very familiar verse. Most everyone knows it. You might have even memorized it. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Here's what it says. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. That's a promise. If we do these things, he shall, not he might, not he may, he shall direct our paths. If we are looking for God's will in our lives, if we want to follow the path that God has for us, we need to know it. And this verse gives us the keys how we can follow God's will in our lives by following God's path. God has a plan for my life. And he has a plan for yours. And it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, God still has a plan for your life. So how do we know what it is? This verse is going to give us the key. Let's open in prayer, and then we'll look at the verse. Fathers, we come before you this morning. We pray that you'll just guide our thoughts. Guide our minds, but more importantly, guide our hearts, Father. Your Holy Spirit is here with us this morning as you've promised. And as we open the warm bread of breakfast in your word and partake, Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit will have free reign to help us understand the guided path that you have for our lives. In your name we pray, amen. This morning, I'm going to share with you three keys that are found in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Three keys to following God's path. But I'm also going to share with each of those keys a key principle that we need to imp implement in our lives. So if you have notes, you want to take notes on this, I'm going to give you key number one, then principle number one, then key number two, then life principle number three, two, and if I go to three, then we're in trouble. Then key number three and life principle number three. So I want to go quickly with these because there's a lot to it. Here's the first key. We must find the will of God. We must find the will of God. That's the first thing we do. We need to find the will of God. 
Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust, just look at that phrase, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So here's the first principle. We need to give all our heart to Christ through salvation. We need to give all our heart to Christ through salvation. Wednesday night I had an opportunity to, to um, speak to the kids at the award program, and I told them this story. So if you were there, uh, this is a repeat a little bit. Um, when I was in elementary school at recess time, I had two best friends, Jeffrey and Andy. And Jeff and Andy and I were best friends because we had this one sport that we loved together the most, basketball. And the three of us would play together. And we loved basketball at recess time. We were really good as elementary students. Um, and uh, we played basketball every recess. And then one day, the school secretary got on the intercom and she said, on Saturday, that's her voice because all school secretaries have that voice. On Saturday, there will be a tournament in the gym. And we're like, all right, a basketball tournament, a three-on-three -three basketball tournament. We were ready to go. We had practiced at recess. We were a team. The three of us had visions of gigantic trophies, NBA scouts. We were going to win this tournament. In fact, we were doing so well. We were so confident that we got shirts that matched each other with our team name, the Astronauts, on it. Was the astronauts because we were always above the rim, you know, as third as third graders on the four foot rims, uh, and we were gonna we were gonna win this thing. My mom actually went out and bought me a brand new pair of shoes, so we were ready. And we walked into that gym because we were it. We were gonna do it. And we stepped up to the table, and the lady at the desk said. What's your team name? And we went, the astronauts. Yeah. And she said, I'm sorry, I don't see your team on the list here. What do you mean on the list? She said, did you sign up? Sign up? Yeah, to play in this tournament, you had to sign up. You had to sign up. for. You can't just come into the tournament. And we're like crushed. We went home. We couldn't participate because we haven't signed up. You know what? Some people are on this road, this Christian road of life, and they've never signed up. They've never been saved. Oh, they've got the look. They wear the clothes. They get the shoes. They go to church. They might even sing in the choir. They might even teach a Sunday school class, but they haven't signed up. And the Bible has a verse I want to share with you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22 and 23 says this, Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? We got the team name. And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You haven't signed up. You're not saved. So how do we do that? How do you get signed up? First thing you need to do is A, admit you're a sinner. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. All have sinned. Every person has sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have sin in our bloodstream. It's a virus. It's a blood disease that everybody has. You're born with it. Everyone has sinned. B, believe. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want a shirt that says, I'm a whosoever. I do. I want a shirt that says, I'm a whosoever, with this verse on the back. A, admit you're a sinner. B, believe. C, confess. Romans 3, 23. Nope, nope. Just be 10, 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We need to confess with our mouth, the Bible says. We must follow the will of God is key number two. Oh, just so you know, I did that when I was five years old. I still remember that day. My dad asked me this question. He said, are you going to heaven when you die? I was five years old. How traumatic your dad talking about when you're going to die. I've been spanked enough. I knew that was coming quickly. Yeah, I remember. Um, but he said, are you going to heaven when you die? And I didn't know for sure. I'd sat since I was a baby, sat under the tutelage of God's word in church, and I'm thankful for that, but I realized that God doesn't have grandchildren. God only has children, and I needed to be a child of God. So when I was five years old, I did this A, B, C thing. It's simple as a child. A child can do it. The Bible tells us that it's designed so a child can do it. The simple faith of a child. I did that. I knelt down. I still remember. Five years old, I remember very vividly kneeling down at the end of my father's bed. And I remember him kneeling right on my right side beside me. And I remember praying that God would save me, forgive my sins, and let me go to heaven. I remember that clearly. And I did that as a child. If you haven't done that yet, if you haven't repented of your sins, you're not on the team. We must follow the will of God is key number two. We must follow the will of God. Um, we must find the will of God. And then it says we must follow the will of God. Look at verse, uh, this verse again. It says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Here it comes. And lean not unto thine own understanding. Principle number two. You need to give all your heart to Christ through obedience. Through obedience. You need to give all of your heart to Christ through obedience. I grew up in my family. My dad was a big man. Is a big man. My dad is big. Um, he's got big brothers and sisters. I don't know. I was my, my mom's side. My mom was really small. Um, I got my dad's belly, but my mom's stature. My dad's a big man. And I learned right away I had to obey him. When dad said, do something, <laughs> when dad said, jump, you said, how high, sir? And when would you like me to come back down? That's, what you, that's when you obeyed your dad. Because my dad was big he was stern. He was loving. He had the most calloused hands I'd ever seen in my life. He was a contractor. But he was strict. How did I know how to obey my dad? How did I know my dad's expectations? Because I was, I was with him every day. I grew up in that household. I knew what my dad expected of me. I knew what his rules were. I knew I had to obey him. And the only way I could know how to obey him was be with him. The only way you're going to be able to obey Christ is be with Him. You need to know His rules, His desires for you. You need to obey Christ. And the only way you can do that, 
Let's get in his word. This is his instruction manual for our lives. We need to obey Christ and what he says. Life principle two, we need to follow the will of God because we need to give all our heart to Christ through obedience. Can I show you a verse? James chapter 1, verse 23. Look at what it says. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, a mirror. You know what a mirror does? It distorts things. You ever thought about that? A mirror distorts things. When I stood in the mirror this morning, looking into the mirror, it distorted what I was really seeing. First of all, everything was backwards. Right? Everything's backwards in a mirror. It's not what you think. A mirror is backwards. It's not showing you the realistic things. A mirror is backwards. And then, more importantly about a mirror, it only shows what's on the outside. Mirrors don't show what's on the inside. It'll show me that piece of broccoli in my teeth. It'll show me that that little stick of hair, the two that I have left, is sticking up in the back. It'll show you those things, but it shows things backwards, and it shows only the outside. If we don't obey God's word, James tells us it's like looking into a mirror, a distorted mirror, and then seeing the outside, seeing things backwards and saying, that's okay, and simply walking away. James says if we hear the word and don't obey the word, it's like looking into a mirror. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, here's the phrase, and lean not unto thine own understanding. See that word lean there? In my Bible, I have that word underlined. Lean means to bend one way or the other. It means to bend towards Christ or to bend toward the world. It says, don't lean to our own understanding. Don't lean to what we want to lean to. Moses. Let me go back then. Moses. You, you remember the story of Moses? Moses was, was, had killed the Egyptian. And he ran. And way, way, way back to the backside of the desert. And he wasn't being disobedient. For those years, but he wasn't leaning towards God either. He was leaning his way. He got married. He raised sheep. He wasn't leaning towards God. He was leaning towards himself. He wasn't leaning to God. He was leaning onto his own understanding. There's not a lot written about Moses during those times. He was on the back side of the desert. I'll get it. He wasn't leaning to his own understanding. He was leaning to his own understanding. I, I had time like that in my life. First of all, after I was saved at the age of five, I sat still under the tutors of my parents. I didn't leave home then, although I, my parents probably wished I had. I was not a tough kid. I was pretty compliant. But inside, I was leaning towards my own understanding. The first struggle I had was with assurance of salvation. I wasn't sure. I would repeat that time in my head, kneeling down by my parents. Did I, did I say the right words? 
as a five-year-old, did I really understand what I was doing? It was a confusing time for me. Until I was 12 years old when, when I got, got, I was at camp. I was at a Christian camp. And I went forward for like the 40th time for assurance of salvation. I wanted to be sure. And a very wise teenage counselor, God gave that person the words because they sat down and said, listen, there's a lean. Leaning towards God, leaning towards your own understanding. And right now, you're leaning towards your own understanding. You've got to let that go. You've got to turn around and give everything to God. You've got to realize that God's never going to use you as long as you're leaning towards yourself. Give it all to God. Lean towards God. Lean into God. And I did that and took care of that salvation thing for sure. I know absolutely sure that moment, I was sure that I was saved when I was five years old, but that moment cemented that I was never going to doubt my salvation again. And I haven't to this day. I know the minute I died, no matter how it happens, I am definitely going to heaven. I'm going to be serving God as long as I can. And when I die, I'll see Jesus instantaneously. I know that for sure. I had a plan. <laughs> I had a plan. I was going to be a medical missionary. Oh, that sounds great. That's wonderful. So I went through high school, began college, studying to be a medical missionary. That, again, was what I wanted to do. In fact, when I was 16 years old, I had a chance to go overseas and spend a whole summer in a, uh, in a uh, Christian hospital where they, uh, in Malamgat, uh, Bangladesh, where they, they treated people spiritually and physically. And I came home knowing that's exactly what I wanted to do, but things got disrailed. The doctor I lived with got charged with some horrible crimes, let me down. He was one of my spiritual heroes. And again, I started leaning towards myself. I dropped out of college. I stopped going to college. I wasn't going to be a medical missionary anymore. Um, started looking around for what, what God wanted me to do. And uh, uh, God moved me to my backside of the desert, Jackson, Michigan. My wife and my kids and I moved into Jackson, Michigan. Attended a church there. Got involved in the church. But again, I was leaning towards my own understanding. On Wednesday nights, Wednesday nights, uh, we had Awana programs separate. And I would take my wife, who worked in Awana, and my kids, who were in Awana, I'd drop them off and tell them I'm going to the prayer service. And the people in the prayer service, I would walk in, walk around a little bit, say, hey, I'm going to work in Awana, and I'd leave. I wasn't even attending church. I was skipping out. Why? Didn't want to. I was just leaning towards my own understanding. And uh, eventually, God got a hold of my heart, and he said, your lean is wrong. You're bending the wrong way. And I had to move back towards God. And I had to move literally. I had to get out of that place. Spent six years there. And God said, I want you back leaning towards me. So I literally got up my family and we moved. Took a new job, took a new city, and began working in a church for God. Where do you lean? James chapter 1, verse 8 says this. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, I lean towards Christ. I lean towards myself. Then I lean towards Christ and myself. That's double-minded. And that says, that verse clearly says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Not, in, not spiritually. It says in all his ways. 
in everything you do, if you're double-minded, if you're back and forth between where you lean, you're unstable in all your ways. Where's your lean? Are you double-minded? Are you unstable? If we want to be sure that we're living God's perfect will, we not only need to find the will of God through salvation, we also need to follow the will of God through obedience. Not, not just lean towards Him, but lean into Him. Chris talked about this uh, last, last Sunday when he was talking about the yoke. We need to not just lean towards Him, we need to lean into Him. Let Him do what our work is. Give Him the strength. Work on Him. Number three, key number three, we must finish the will of God. We need to finish the will of God. I, if you ask me, what's your favorite song? I don't have one. I, I go through stages where I like this song, and then this song, and then this. I don't have a favorite song. If you ask my students at school, what's Mr. Chilson's favorite color? They'll tell you right away, he doesn't have one. I, I don't have a favorite color. Uh, camouflage might be my favorite color, but it's, I don't have a favorite color. I, I just don't. If you ask me what my favorite verse is, I've been through so many of them. I, I, I don't have a life verse because as I'm walking through this Christian life, I'll come across a verse that matches me at that time. But I want to show you one that's become one of my favorites. Psalm 71, 18. I know it's a little small, but let me read it to you says this, now also when I'm old and gray-headed, or no hair at all, oh God, forsake me not until I've shown thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. What a great verse. What does that mean? That means I need to continue. I need to keep going till I'm finished. I need to finish my course. I must finish the will of God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Here it comes. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. In everything we do, we need to acknowledge him and he will direct, he shall direct thy paths. Here's the concept, the principle. Give all your heart to Christ through dependence. Give all your heart to Christ through dependence. Look at the verse again. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. That means you need to acknowledge him in your family. My family and I moved from Jackson, Michigan, up to a lot, tiny little town north of Reed City, Michigan, uh, called Tustin. Uh, actually, we're located our house is located between Tustin and Luther in a town that's not even a town called Bristol. There is a blinking light. Nope, not anymore. There's just a stop sign now. There's one gas station, one gas station where they sell everything, including the best pizza in the world. One gas station. Two churches. That's it. That's the town. That's Bristol. Um, it's, uh, it's a great place to live. Uh, we live about a mile from, from the greatest trout stream in the entire world. 
um, which makes it even a better place to be. But my family, when we moved there, I made a conscious effort to make sure that my family was acknowledging God. We looked for a church. We found a good, independent, fundamental Baptist church that was 25 miles away from us. And we started attending in all your ways. Um, my job at work, I acknowledged God right away. And I found out that God blessed me with a school that had Christian teachers around me. And I loved working there because, because I could bounce Christian principles and struggles off my fellow teachers. And the, at the beginning of the school year, uh, before school even started, be, the, the Sunday before, we spent all of Sunday night as a staff walking around from classroom to classroom praying for that teacher and those students that year. It was, it was an amazing place to work. So my family, my job, my church, we got involved in the church right away. Um, I started leading songs. I started teaching adult Sunday school. I became a deacon. I ran the sound system all on the same Sunday. Woo, that's a tough job to do. Um, but we were busy. Um, our church started a, uh, a bus ministry. Now they're up to three buses. Our church actually started very small. The first Sunday we went to that church, it was my family, one couple, and the pastor's family. That was, that was how big our church was when we first started. And now they're running 150 every week, almost 200 consistently, and they don't have the snowbirds, uh, so they're consistent with that. So all, all of those things, my family, my occupation, my church, we were acknowledging God. What's acknowledging God mean? It says acknowledge Him. He wants a dependent relationship. Not independent. Not we're going to do this together. God wants you completely depending on Him. He wants a dependent relationship. When, when my daughter Debbie was about um, three years old, we were pushing her in a cart through Myers. How many know what Myers is? Good. Good. I love you Northerners. Uh, we're pushing it. It's like a grocery store. Like a Piggly Wiggly, but a hundred times better. Yeah, like a like a small Walmart, but it's even prices are much better, much better. It is, especially if you're a member of their app club, which I am, even living down here. Um, we're pushing the cart through through Myers, and um, I was I still remember I was picking stuff off the shelf, and as I'm turning around, I hear my daughter say, "Daddy, catch me!" and she jumped out of the cart. Why did she do that? Because she was dependent on me. She knew that I would not let her fall. I, I, still, I had time to drop whatever I was holding and grab her as she jumped out, and then she laughed, and she said, Again? No. She's dependent on me. She's, she's dependent. That's what acknowledge him means. We need to be 100% dependent on God. If you don't get anything else from my corn planting today, get this. God's will is not a roadmap. It's a relationship. The Bible tells us that if we have that relationship with Christ, He'll direct our paths. We shouldn't be looking for, okay, what's God got for me here? i got to figure out. That's not being acknowledging Him. If God wants us to do something, He'll let us know. It's, it's not a roadmap. It's our relationship with Him. He will, if we acknowledge Him, 
He will direct your paths. When you begin, being, begin living a life of dependence, the Bible tells us He will direct our paths. After uh, spending our entire life in Michigan, um, our entire life in Michigan, God oh, directed our path to Florida. How in the world did that happen? I, I was, we were busy serving God in our church, our families, our occupation. 35 years I had served God up there. But God placed in our hearts uh, a, a desire to move to Florida, to be dear, nearer, closer to my parents for one reason. Um, and uh, it, it was just a feeling, just that God was saying, hey, I want you to look into this. Um, Mike and I were talking about Gideon the other night and how the story that we know is uh, Gideon putting out the fleece. Um, I didn't have fleeces. I, I had barriers. I said, okay, God, I, I can't. 35 years in Michigan, and you want me to move to Florida where everybody hates the summertime? Where, where, where here, people wear Mickey Mouse ears to church? That was my viewpoint, you know. This is, this is I'm not, I don't know anybody there. So I, can, I literally did this. I picked up my cell phone. And I opened, opened my notes, and I made a list of things why I could not move to Florida. Barriers. Here was my list. Um, I didn't have a job here. I had, we had just purchased a new car. We had a $500 car payment. I didn't have a down payment for a house. Uh, I had to give up all my church ministries and find a church. Besides, I didn't know anybody, and if we did move down here, more importantly, I own three cats. And there's no way I can bring three cats with me to Florida. And I made that list on my phone. I made the list of barriers. And I said, okay, God, read this. You need to look at this. These are the reasons I can't be in Florida. And God said, hang on. On uh, the way to church, one Sunday morning, my wife was sick, and I was taking a right-hand turn into the church parking lot just in time to look up in my rearview mirror and see this gigantic SUV trying to pass three cars on the right and hit me broadside, threw my car into the ditch. All the airbags went off right in front of the church. And people in the church are like, ooh, who's teaching Sunday school now, huh? That was what they were thinking, I'm sure. Um, I, I, I ended up going to the hospital. I ended up going to the hospital and getting checked out. God used that first little accident to wipe out our car payment. It's gone. And I was like, oh, what a coincidence. Okay, God, I'll take that off my app. But I've got more things. If we move to Florida, I don't have a down payment for a house. My wife said, oh, um, I, I questioned her one day because I had been to a retirement center. And the guy mentioned early that he was used to work for a investment company calling AXA, and I don't remember anything else he said, but that AXA kept ringing in my head, that sounds familiar, so I asked my wife, what's, what's AXA? She goes, oh, we get junk mail from them all the time. I said, what kind of junk mail? She goes, I don't know, I just put it in a box in the closet, and I opened it up. I had made a small investment 30 years ago in this company called AXA. It had grown to $26,000. That was a down payment for a house. I got goosebumps, and I'm Baptist, but I started dancing that day. I did. And from that moment on, I felt like I was on a 
roller coaster. And the bar of, of God had come down on my lap. And he just said this, keep your hands inside the car at all times and hold on. Because I'm about to wipe all the rest of them off your list, all those barriers off your list. The principal, I, I narrowed my list of jobs down here. The principal at the school I teach at right now said, I'm sorry, you look great, you look wonderful, but I really don't have a job for you. I've just been informed that I've got to lay teachers off. There's no way I can hire you. She said the stars would have to align. That was her quote. And I remember walking out with her and said, you said the stars have to align. And I said, that's okay. I'll see you in the fall because I know the guy that put the stars there. He can align them. And she called me in July and said, um, I don't know how this happened, but I laid off six teachers and suddenly we have an opening. Can you come teach for us? I didn't have any doubt I was ready. We, I, I didn't want to give up my ministries at church, so we were attending a church in Cape Coral in the summers when we came down, and I sat down with the pastor and said, I am excited about coming here. What ministry can you give me that, that I can work for? And he said, Paul, we love you. You're great. We're wonderful, but we don't want you at our church. What? He said, you need to be at a church in your community, not in Cape Coral. When you lead a family to the Lord, you don't want to drag them to Cape Coral Church. You don't want to bring them right here. So that same Sunday night, I walked through the church doors here, and, uh, and I, I, I sat down with the pastor and said, uh, God's bringing me here. I don't have a job yet. That was before my job. I said, I don't have a house yet, but God's bringing me here. We're going to be here in August. And he said, you need a house? I said, yep. He said, I know a great realtor, Brother Jim. I said, we're going to do this. Let's do it. And Brother Jim and I looked at houses, how God gave us the house is a miracle. Uh, the price didn't come in where we wanted it to. And he said, he told me, he told me this. He said, you're going to have to decide if this is something you want. I said, my hands are off the wheel. This is what God's given us. We're doing it. Go. Because God wanted me here. God wanted me here. Give all your heart to Christ through dependence. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Oh, this is the last verse I want to share with you. This is the one I shared with the kids Wednesday night. This is my new verse. I press toward the mark, the finish line, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians 3.14. I don't know how long I'm going to be here. That's got, my hands are still off the, off the wheel. I don't know. God's got me here right now. I praise God for that. I might be here in Florida for the next 10 years. I might be a lifer down here. I'm, I'm depending completely on God. But I'm pressing towards that mark for the prize of the high calling of God. How to find God's will. First of all, find it through salvation. Second, follow it through obedience. Third, finish it. Through dependence. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. We're thankful for the example your word gives us and how to find out God's perfect will in our lives. We pray for the service to follow. We pray for your word that your Holy Spirit can speak to our hearts through with it. In your name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285.
Thank you, and God bless.